Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team at Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Everybody, uh, welcome to the 2020 Seahawks season prediction show. Uh, your real hawk talk season prediction show. This is Brian M. Hauser, uh, at Hawk Blogger on Twitter. And uh, fun fact I actually started this blog because I used to, I've been doing this for. 24 years been writing a season preview and prediction for the Seahawks 24 to, years 24 years I 24 out, years I used to send it out via email holy and, cow uh it was as you can would not be surprised super involved and detailed and like overly nerdy and uh, uh do, do you want a fun fact I'll add to this yeah yeah please you started doing these season previews when I was one years old. <laughs> yeah. Well, you currently behave in a similar fashion. <laughs> so, you know, it's not so different than it was for me back then, but that was a, that was a softball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I always, I've got a special place in my heart. I've done these shows with a bunch of different people over time over the years. Um, I will not say whether it's an upgrade or downgrade from when Danny Kelly and Mina Kimes and I used to do this. Uh, you know, but yeah, great. It's, it's okay. We can, <laughs> we're all big enough here to admit we're now Danny Kelly or Mina Kimes. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think this is a pretty special group. So um, with that, uh, let's bring in the fellas. Um, it's just the fellas this week, um, or at least for this show. We've got uh, Evan Hill at Evan in SEA on Twitter. You've already heard from him. Good to hear from you, Evan. Welcome. Hi. Uh, thank you for uh, responding and acknowledging. <laughs> uh, 
next we've got uh the one the only the fantasy football finished drafting jeff simmons from up north at real jeff simmons on twitter good to have you my friend what's going on everyone hey dude and last but not least uh nathan ernst uh at nathan e11 on twitter uh i think that we should really pay close attention to nathan's predictions because on one hand i'm pretty sure nathan thinks he's right about everything and on the other hand evan constantly is trying to catch him in making false predictions and so this is a very important show where things are going to be documented and we're you know we're, we're going to have receipts for all these predictions and we will be able to return to them. And we will be able to, at least for this season, have some pretty good evidence about whether one, Nathan is always right or two, maybe there's actually factual evidence that it's not the case. Evan and I basically have a Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner type relationship <laughs> where I am the Roadrunner and he is desperately trying to bust out an Acme creative receipts and catch me on something. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's true. That's it's great. true. I like that comparison. Um, uh, I do want to acknowledge, uh, I didn't have the chat up and I apologize, but I do want to acknowledge Fred Garvin and McNeil Webster for donating and super chat. Super appreciate that. Um, you know, and for five bucks, which is great. Uh, really, really nice. Five bucks gets you into be a Hawk blogger insider and a real Hawk talk insider uh, over at patreon.com slash Hawk blogger. Sign up for five bucks. You get into the Real Hawk Talk Slack channel, which uh, we've been having some good conversations in there as well. Um, and you support a great cause. So, uh, you know, please consider doing that. Um, if you haven't already, now is the time to click subscribe, click the little bell icon on YouTube, or if you're listening on your jog or in the car or somewhere else, um, subscribe on Spotify, uh, iTunes, Google Play, all those places. And, uh, you know, you'll get notified because we are in we're in it, guys. This is the 2020 season. This is a game week. This particular show is predicting the season. We will have another show where we talk about previewing this game against Atlanta at 10 a.m. Sunday morning. So uh, that show is currently scheduled for Friday night. You'll see more coming up there. And with that, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Um, so we're going to start, folks, by doing a little bit of some... Uh, uh, all over the place predictions um, uh, about your Seattle Seahawks. And we are going to finish the show by going week by week, calling out, calling our shot, win or loss. Each one of us on this show will do it. You are welcome and encouraged in the chat to participate um, throughout your predictions. Um, and, uh, you know, I will, if I can manage, we'll also tweet uh, at times. Um, so you can have receipts for your predictions and return to those tweets in the future and other people to their predictions on Twitter, which of course only thing short of a Super Bowl is being able to actually embarrass somebody on Twitter for a, a, a cold take. So, um, all right, let's get started with, uh, uh, I think a pretty hot topic for a lot of people, which is DK Metcalf and how he's going to perform this year. And I'm going to kind of take us through a bunch of these different ones at different different places. Um, but this is our first one. And we, we went out for DK Metcalf receiving yards in a season. And uh, 
I see Nathan has since updated his prediction. I saw 450 yards in there to start with. Was that you that put that in there? No, no, of course not. I wouldn't do anything like that. Well, this wouldn't be the first time you've been wrong about DK Metcalf. Last year was a pretty notoriously awful take that came to bite you in the ass. Yeah. Again, you know, we've been quote retweeting for a while now. So no, yeah. no receipts on that one though, actually. Lots of receipts actually on that one. If you've no been following receipts. my Twitter feed. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, no, I don't see 450 on here anywhere. So I, I don't know what you're talking about, Brian. So let's, let's go, let's start with you, Nathan. Um, uh, you've got a prediction for DK Metcalf receiving yards. Please uh, walk us through it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, really, I just kind of randomly guess at the numbers, but I think he's going to have a big year. I think he'll break a thousand yards. I had him at 1050, uh, you know, 1050 yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, but Derek also had him a thousand fifty yards and seven touchdowns. And so I changed it and bumped it up a little bit. I went for 1,069 yards and seven touchdowns. So I think he's going to have a big year. I think he's going to build on what he did last year. It wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being the number one receiver in this. In fact, I think when we get down here a little lower, I, I think I predict exactly that. So, Okay. Um, so Evan, you've now got him. You know what he's got for – and we'll do receiving yards and touchdowns for DK Metcalf. We'll, I like how you paired in there. You had 1,069 and seven. Evan – where are you, you know, as the uh, DK Metcalf uh, stan, um, you know, you kind of have to beat what Nathan did if you really are the biggest DK Metcalf fan. So what do you have for DK Metcalf? Well, see, let me let me establish this first. I'm the realist. I'm, I'm the realist voice and commentator on this podcast. I'm are you about the to most... start rapping, Evan? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, the mo- I'm the most rational. As always. So uh-huh. I'm going with 1,200 receiving yards and nine touchdowns. Like Nathan said, I I don't know if this is a hot take, but I think DK Metcalf is your wide receiver one. I really do. Tyler Lockett is exceptional. He's not declining or anything like that. But DK Metcalf's ceiling is sky high, and I only see him building off of what he did last year. He's probably the Seahawk I am most excited to watch. This okay, so, so I have receipts actually um, from like two shows ago where Evan specifically was saying that DK Metcalf will not eclipse Julio Jones's second year uh, because Julio Jones had 11, 1,198 yards <laughs> and 10 touchdowns. <laughs> so uh, so yeah. I need to bring mine back down by three yards. Okay. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. Actually 1197. So then you absolutely cannot tell me that I was, you know, two faced there. Interesting. I'm, I, I will tell you one thing. I'm going to lock the hell out of this Google sheet after uh, <laughs> here. Cause I know yeah, how you are right now. Um, Jeff, um, you know, we've got, we've got 1069 and seven, we've got 1197 and nine. Uh, where are you at on DK? Not too far off there. I went 1175 and I went 11 touchdowns. I think DK led the NFL. I think DK led the NFL in Renzo targets last year. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but I believe he did. I think Russell leads the NFL in red zone targets from a passing perspective. And based on his body type and his ability, I think he's a perfect touchdown maker and, I think anywhere from eight to 12 to 13 touchdowns isn't out of the realm of possibility. So I kind of looked at Julio's numbers. I looked at what I had my fantasy draft earlier. So I looked at they were, what they were projecting and I took something basically right in the middle. 
Well, it's it's interesting. I mean, I, I think uh, we'll we'll get into Tyler Lockett in a second. That's where we'll go next because I think this question of wide receiver one is is a good one. Um, I had him at 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns. So, you know, there is very little, you know, difference in overall predictions in this group for DK Metcalf on receiving yards and touchdowns. Um, I will say there are some folks that are not on the show um, who are part of the show um, who also added their predictions uh, for the Hawk Blogger crew. Cable Thanos, Josh, uh, he is the one outlier here. Uh, he has predicted 1,500 yards, 1,511 yards, but just four touchdowns. So it's an odd season. That's, that's Julio-esque. Yeah, that is, that is interesting. Actually, I, I went I went to look at Julio's page when I saw that to see if he just copied one of Julio Julio's years, and he he didn't. But Julio did have a fourteen forty four year with three touchdowns. So, wow, really? Yeah, he struggles to get in the end zone. It's it's very odd. That's not a DK Metcalf problem. He's already pretty no, no, you could see in year one. That's... So, I mean, it's pretty interesting. It's exciting that um, <laughs> I think. Everybody on the crew is seeing him be a thousand yard receiver this year as a sophomore, you know, as a second season. And, and that's a huge, huge accomplishment, um, especially in this offense. Um, so, uh, I think, um, so three people, Evan, Jeff, and Josh predicted Julio to have, or uh, sorry, DK to have the best uh, receiving season under Pete Carroll. Uh, that we that, that that's happened. So Doug's best year was uh, 1,128 yards and seven touchdowns. He had a 14 touchdown year, but fewer yards that year. Uh, and I think the rest of us all have him uh, at least the second best receiving year of any Seahawks yeah. receiver under Pete Carroll. Interesting. Yeah, I, I think I stand for that. Remind us, do you have it in front of you his his numbers last year? Like how much of a jump this would be? Like. Wasn't it like? Let me find out. Eight fifty. Yeah, he's the one I don't have. Nine. I think, I think he had nine hundred and seven, right? Nine. Uh, nine hundred exactly. Nine hundred yards and seven touchdowns. Nine hundred yards. So, so we're basically talking about a couple hundred more yards receiving. That doesn't seem. That doesn't seem wild, right? Like, I. I don't think like if you think he's going to take a big step forward and he's going to become the dominant target of the team. Do you guys feel like the ceiling for him might be like 1,400 yards? Like, is that like completely crazy? If he just became like a beast, is that crazy? Yeah, probably in this offense. I don't know. 900, like he got 900 last year while while Tyler was getting over 1,000 yards last year. Uh, so his 100 targets last year were the second most of any Seahawk wide receiver. Oh, wait, hold on. I don't have Doug up here. Uh, so yeah, I mean, one thing that we might be tripping up here though, is, is just a, a you know, Doug had a, a year with 125 targets and 116 targets and, and that was more, but so he already had the fourth most targets in a single year of any receiver under Pete Carroll. Yeah. I don't know how much room there is for him to improve on that, but if he does get up in that 120 range, right, if he gets 20 extra targets, which is just really, you know, a little over one. I think he's going to get at least a 20% bump in targets this year. So potentially, potentially. Yeah. I mean, I think so. So <laughs> I don't want to just get totally hung up on uh, the first prediction here. Uh, <laughs> we got more to cover, but um, 
I mean, Evan and I have talked about this. I definitely stated this a few shows ago, and Evan's stated his own uh, concurring opinion since that I think DK is going to be wide receiver one um, for the Seahawks this year. I think he's going to lead him in targets, and I think he's going to lead him in yards. Um, and I think he's probably going to lead him in touchdowns. Um, so uh, Tyler Lockett receiving yards was our next prediction. Um, without going through, I mean, I'm just going to read them out real quick. Um, I had him at 950. Evan had him at 1100. Jeff had him at 988. Nathan had him at 990. Dana had him at 800. Derek had him at 950. Josh had him at 1,002 yards. Um, so the interesting piece there is um, a couple things. Evan, you've got two receivers over 1,100 yards in the Seahawks. Explain. Yeah, um, I was actually going to jump in there regardless of if you prompted me or not. Um, I don't I don't think the Seahawks are going to let Russ cook per se this year, but I do think – I let me say this. I wouldn't be surprised if he had – more passing attempts this year than he's ever had in his NFL career. So and that's, I, how, that's what, and you think that, you know, obviously they're just going to go to these two guys. Predominantly. Yeah. I, I think it's just going to be extra targets to those two. So. Um, but every single one of us, unless I'm misreading has DK Metcalf as wide receiver one, at least by receiving yards. Um, you know, obviously receptions is, is another key metric. We're not showing that here, but, uh, does anyone want to feel differently that DK Metcalf is like, maybe not going to be wide receiver one. Okay. All right. Interesting. So that, that's a pretty big statement. We were going to say to Nathan, I saw you start to talk. <clears throat> no, I just, you know, um, there's a couple extra mouths to feeds. This is one of the deeper receiving groups that Seattle's had with, um, Dorsett and they still have more and, you know, they're going to get Gordon back. They've got uh, Olsen. They are going to get Disley back. So, um, I I mean, obviously, I, I think DK is going to be the top, number one receiver. That's what I predicted here. But there are a lot of mouths to feed, more than they've had for a few years. And so maybe just assuming that, you know, DK is going to get an extra 20 targets when he already had a ton last year. Uh, maybe that's where we're like, it's, yeah, I think we could be getting tripped up on that. That's the only thing that I really think it's going to keep him from getting there. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, go ahead, Jeff. No, it's just, that's totally fair. We've talked about their depth. The other thing is like the, on the other side, like the receivers are already starting to kind of fall apart. Dorsett's not ready to play. Ursua got waived today. We don't know when Josh Gordon's coming. So you have David Moore and Penny Hart. And so, Oh, yeah, the tight ends are a big one. I think that's going to operate as their third receiver, essentially, either Olsen or Disley. And yeah, I think Nathan's right. I think that would be the, that's what I said when the first question came out. Even if he gets up to 120 targets, that's a big jump. He'll need to get all those 200 yards. And... Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, sorry, I'm, I'm laughing at some stuff uh, in the chat, um, in the super chat. But, uh, uh, so we're talking about changes to the offense. We're talking about passing game. I think it makes sense for us to talk about tight ends. And um, uh, one guy that we've all, I think we all have hold in really high regard um, is Will Disley, uh, but he's had trouble staying healthy. And so I think a really big barometer for, for this year in general, um, and certainly for Will Disley's career is how many games does he play this year? So um Let's let's start with uh, 
let's start with uh, Evan and Jeff, who both have him. You know, Evan, you've got him at eight games this year. Jeff, you've got him at 10. Um, talk us about how you got there. Jeff, why don't you start? This is probably the hardest question we had to do because without preseason, it's so hard for us to evaluate where he's at, what he looks like. And preseason games would be a great way for us to decide. So they might kind of ease him in. And I think that's one of the reasons they have Olsen. And maybe if he gets hurt, they're less likely to kind of bring rush him back. And so I just played the numbers. So 10 of 16 seems pretty good. He's had two like fluky injuries. It's not something to do with his body. I'm just, I was just playing the odds straight up. Uh, similar take to yours. I, th- I think they're just going to play him super safely this year, especially coming back from injury. I don't think he's going to tear an ACL or anything this year. I just think uh, with the depth they have at tight end, which is honestly really good. Like they have four starting caliber tight ends and Greg Olson, Will Disley, Jacob Hollister and Luke Wilson. I just, if he gets dinked up a little bit, like, just rest him for a week. I, I, I really think they need to take it careful with his health after what's happened the past two years. I just, I want him to be a future sort of core contributor to this offense and to this team. And I think this year is just critical in, in maintaining his health. So that's, that was the reasoning behind mine. Yeah. And just taking the op- opposite end. So I had him at 14 games. Dana had him at 16. Derek and Josh had him at 15. Um, I'll represent there. My thinking is he's had the two injuries he's had have been season ending injuries. I think Disley's a guy that unless he's got a season ending injury, I think he's going to be in the lineup every week. Um, other than maybe, you know, maybe twisted ankle or, you know, some, some kind of just natural injuries. So I've got him playing mostly a full season. And I think that that would be a big thing for, for him. Um, moving on um, with tight ends. We now have, as you mentioned, uh, Evan, a lot of, quality at the tight end position or at least a lot of options um so who's gonna have more receptions and more touchdowns will disley or greg olson and 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 nathan let's start with you um well i mean you know i i, I had uh with uh Whistley. uh disley only playing 12 games i think they'll they'll take it slow with him too so i i have Olsen just having the leg up on receptions. I also think that they're going to ask Olsen to go out and, and catch the ball more often and, and Disley maybe to block a little bit more often since Disley's uh, real good at that. Um, but then for touchdowns, I mean, <clears throat> him and Russ just have such chemistry. He's shown to be uh, just really, really capable receiver. And, and um, I think he'll end up having the more, more touchdowns, but maybe less volume overall. Um. So I've got I've got Disley as the leader both in receptions and touchdowns. And this is a kind of tough one for me because I think Olsen Olsen seems like he should be the number one target from a tight end perspective, and he profiles as that that receiving tight end. Uh, and, and that I think you're right, Nathan. They're going to ask Disley to be more of an inline blocker because he's so good at that. What I couldn't get around is I just think Disley's better. I think Disley's like, I think Disley's really, really good. And how many times last year on this podcast did we spend time saying, how does he get that open? Like, he's not that fat, but he's like, open. how did he get that open? And, and so I just feel like over the course of the season, I think he's going to become their dominant tight end. Uh, I think, I think he's the tight end one, even if that's not how he's currently thought. So 
that's how I, I, I come out that he's going to lead them um, from a tight end perspective in receptions and touchdowns. Can I jump in real quick yeah, here? Go ahead. Jeff, you put, uh, I'm just looking at the spreadsheet, Jeff, you put Olsen for uh, both receptions and touchdowns. If I told you right now, I could guarantee you that both Will Disley and Greg Olson are going to be a healthy for a full 16 games. Does yeah. that change your prediction at all? No, I, I'm very bullish on the Greg Olson signing. I've been, obviously the price was a lot higher than I would have wanted. And we've heard that contract come up a lot in the last week when we've talked about Colony. But what I think Brian mentioned this on Twitter. I know for, I've been told this for a fact that Russ was very insistent on the Olson signing. That was very Russ oriented. I don't think the team really had him in their plans. And that was a thing that kind of Russ cooked up. And just from hearing how they've worked together and hearing kind of Olsen's background, I think Olsen's going to be a really, really good fit. And we, we saw that quick game go away last year when Disley went out for the year and they couldn't run it with Holster. They couldn't run that same offense. They weren't comfortable. And I think Olsen's just ability to run routes and kind of work with Russell, I think just from like a, route perspective from a mind perspective i think olsen is going to have a really good connection with russ i think that's going to be a very strong tandem but to be honest i think the best case scenario for the team is me being wrong i think the best case scenario is disley just coming out and balling again and taking hold of that job because he's what 24 years old 23 years old olsen's in a one-year deal so hopefully i'm wrong to be honest but i just think that olsen and russ they fit very very well together I kind of remember how zach miller was used that might be more of a role of how Disley's used this year, more of a blocker, more of a not a full time route runner. And I think Olsen's going to be more of a pass catcher at this point than Disley. And that's why I went Olsen. Okay. So we're, we're having a lot of fun talking about receiving targets and all these options that Russell's got. Next prediction here is will the guy that has never received a single MVP vote get one this year? And more accurately, how many of the 50 total possible votes for MVP will Russell Wilson get this year? I'm going to start on this one, guys. I think Russell Wilson's going to get all 50 of them. I think Russell Wilson is going to be the MVP of the NFL this year, and he's going to be a unanimous selection. That's, uh, that's a take. Yeah, how many unanimous MVPs have there been? It's uh, a good question. Um, wasn't Lamar one last year? Yeah, I believe so. Did Mahomes get it the year before? I don't think it's that unusual. Evan's got a, a curious face. Only two players. I just think that's a very, very aggressive take considering Andy Benoit is an MVP voter. That's, that is a really good... Honestly, good. that... And it, that factored into my pick. I picked zero because it's it. it's and it's not a Russell Wilson thing, Brian. It's a do you really trust the MVP voters? Like, hasn't Alex. Todd Gurley gotten like MVP votes? Hasn't Bobby Zeke, Wagner? Yeah, Bobby. Like, like there's some there's some dumb bleepers that yeah, yeah. have MVP votes. I I'm convinced that if a few things had broke differently last year, Russell would have been an MVP. Like, I think it was trending. Yeah, I really do. Lamar had such a good season. He he did. But I also think I won't go into all of it. But I do think think nationally the story was happening in a way that even the dummies would have been able to follow along and vote for him. He might not have been a a unanimous, but I I think he was on track. 
I think, like Evan said, I think he's going to be have a better year this year. I think this is, I'll go as far as to say, I think we will look back and this will be Russell Wilson's best statistical year of his entire career. I think this is the peak year right now. So it's, it's been done twice. Lamar Jackson last year, Tom Brady, 2010. So that means uh, 2018 Patrick Mahomes, who threw for 5,100 yards and 50 touchdowns, was not a unanimous MVP. Um, if you go back to, what, 2008, what was the year that Brady just went absolutely bonkers? 2007. But you know what, Nathan? Yeah, like, not unanimous. <laughs> Brett Favre got a vote. Really? Like putting wow. like 40 votes. The touchdown record. That's that's a that's no no one wants that as a take. So like, wait, I, I got to jump in here, Brian, and this is a quick tangent. If if Russell Wilson is the MVP, do the Seahawks win the number one seed in the in? The we are NFC? not to that point in the show yet. Okay, Mr. okay, sorry, you're sorry. pulling the whole point of the show. All right, all right, we'll get back we'll on get, track. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, and, and and it might be hard for me to to back that up, but. But in any event, um, the rest of you um, have him winning uh, or have him getting. Uh, Evan, you got him at 20 votes. Nathan, you have him at 25. Uh, I want to amend mine, though. I think I need to go a little higher. Looking at most of this, most 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 MVP winners win take at least 30 votes. So I'm going to go 30 because I think he will win it. But I, I don't right. think it'll be unanimous. I like it. I like it. So Evan, the the... Well-known Russell hater um, does not think that he is MVP caliber um, and is taking him at 20 votes. And Jeff is even more of a hater at zero votes. Um, so Jeff, you said that you don't trust the voters, but you don't trust all of them or, I mean, that's zeros. Like he's just not, well, he clearly was not the MVP last year. We're all in agreement on that. Right. But he, sh- he should have, that arguably was his most impressive season considering what he was dragging on. They almost made the number one seed considering that they had no offensive line. They had no defense. They had a rookie wide receiver. That was arguably the best season of Russell's. I think my, I think even if he gets an MVP this year, last year might be more impressive to me. But I think the MVP voters in a lot of sports will base it on counting stats, number one. And number the way Pete and Shoddy run an offense that might not set up for Russell versus a lot of like a, a Dak Prescott or a Lamar Jackson or a Mahomes. And number two, a lot of the time they look for the next big thing. That comes up a lot in MVP voting. That's why Lamar won and Mahomes won. They both kind of came out of nowhere. I think Russell's one of these guys that if he has a monster season, he might just get overlooked by one of these next big things. And I don't think it's fair, but I just have little faith that A, he's going to get the counting stats and B, he's going to get properly appreciated. Yeah, I think it's 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 going to be interesting to watch for sure. Um, but so, who would the next big thing be? Like I Dak, think he's actually Dak, a, a, Dak, Dak, and, and that's why people know Dak. I don't think everyone knows Dak. Dak's not the next big thing, and I don't know that Dak's going to have any easier road to hoe with the voters. Dak's road, road to hoe, road to toe. Dak, Dak Prescott is or winning. Watson. Is winning the 2020 MVP. If Watson goes off without Hopkins, it could be him too. Uh, yeah, I could see that one. Uh, I don't know. I don't see any of those. I, I don't see who that. I mean, and I, I wouldn't have really predicted Lamar Jackson to go off the way he did last year. I mean, that's why they're the next big thing, right? But I, I think he's a little. He, he may have. This may be a, a sweet spot for him because you know Mahomes already won it. Jackson's won it. Brady's moving teams. Breeze is getting older. You know, a lot of those 
I mean, maybe, maybe Derek Henry. Hold up. I have a dark Derek, horse candidate. I mean, who knows? Maybe they're going to running back because they're tired of I have a dark horse MVP candidate that is going to piss all of you off, but it's 100% true. Kyler Murray is going to have a really good year. I knew you were going to say oh that. Oh, my gosh. He really I is. I saw some of the analytics people burying him today. Yeah. Well, no, because he, he was not as good as Evan thinks he was. Yeah. Did you see those numbers? Anyone see that today? Yeah. I, I, those weren't new numbers as far as I was concerned. Hey, uh, all y'all nerds, watch the tape, as I always say. So, yes. Watch Evan some Hill, football. Well-known uh, tape grinder, uh, Evan Hill. Um, so, <laughs> let's keep it going because we got a lot to cover on, on the uh, predictions. We switched from the passing offense – which there's a lot of controversy and discussion over to the pass defense and specifically the pass rush. I don't think that there's anything that has been discussed and debated more than the Seahawks pass rush this off season. So we're going to go rapid fire across a few different players that will be very influential in what the total sack number will be. And we're doing this over under. So we're going to give a number and we're going to go over or under it um, uh, for a prediction. These three players, Jamal Adams, four sacks over under. Jaron Reed, five sacks over under. And then we're going to take Benson Mayoa and Bruce Irvin and combine their sacks and say over or under 14 and a half. Okay. So again, Jamal Adams, over or under four sacks, Jaron Reed over or under five sacks, and then Benson Mayoa and Bruce Irvin over or under 14 and a half sacks. So let's start with Jeff. Where are you on those three? I went over on the Jamal Adams sacks, and I went under on the two categories involving the Seahawks defensive line. Okay. And do you have, do you have any of those as significantly over or significantly under in your mind? No, I, if I would have guessed Adam Sachs, I would have gone four and a half. Reed, I'd be right there as well. And I probably could have convinced myself into the Mayo and Irvin one, but this whole weekend just bummed me out so much about their defensive line. Everything in my mind is negative right now. So I end up going under. I don't think it's going to be that much under, but like if Bruce Irvin gets like four and a half sacks this year, like that wouldn't surprise me that much. Okay. And, and, Nathan, you've got Jamal Adams under four. You've got Jaron Reed under five. And you've got Mayo and Irvin over 14 and a half. Talk about the last one. Uh, well, no, here's actually, here's what I want to know. What kind of bozo bets the push? Like, you can have every number under four or every number over four. And you're so confident in yourself that you're going to pick four on the nose? Yeah. Jamal Adams is going to have four sacks. Man, all right. Uh, <laughs> I should get I should get extra money for that. No, you get no money for that. Or well, I guess if you bet the push, you get the you get the same amount of money. Man, take the <laughs> odds. Just go go optimistic and go over and get every single get that half sack over. Anyways, I'm going to stick uh, with it. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. So all right. So Irvin and Mayo. I mean. Both of these guys have been right around seven and eight sacks for the last few years. Um, so I just see that, you know, and, and they're going to get a ton of run. They're going to get more more snaps than I think they've probably gotten um, in a long time for either of them, maybe maybe ever for Mayoa. Um, and so I just think that they're going to – I don't know that they're going to clear 14 and a half by a whole bunch. 
Um, but it seemed like a safe bet to think that they'll at least get to 15. Yeah. I mean, you and I are the only two among this crew that had that actually among all the crew that had that as an over. Um, everyone else was under on those two. Um, uh, as far as Jaron Reed's sacks, I was the only one that had it as an over. We had uh, Dana and Derek um, had it as a push. So they're predicting five sacks. And Jamal Adams sacks, um, Evan, Jeff, and Dana are the only ones that have it as over four sacks. So interesting there. Um, I could clean up a lot on the Jaron Reed. And if he goes over five sacks, I mean, five and a half sacks is not hard to do. Like he could definitely end up with five and a half sacks. So that would, that would be, uh, that would have led the Seahawks last year, which is always the important reminder. It's a paltry number, but uh, it would be glorious on this team. So as we go through that, and then we jump to the next one related to sacks, there's another over and under about total team sacks. The Seahawks had 28 sacks last year as a team, a putrid number. Um, so we did an over under of 32 sacks for this year. That's only four more sacks over the whole course of the season. I had that as a, as an over. Um, I did have to pause. <laughs> I did have to pause, but I think it's an over. I mean, it's basically it's going from 1.75 sacks a year to two sacks a year uh, is, is what that means. Um, I think they're going to beat that. Um, Nathan, interestingly, you had it as over. Jeff, you had it as over, even though both of you had two of the three predictions as under. So where, where do you think the sacks are going to come from if it's not from those three or four players, as the case may be? Um, I, stay, I think uh, we've talked about this a lot. I do think as a whole, the defensive line has more pass rushers than they did last year. So accomplishing that total to me, isn't that difficult. And when you factor in Adams, they didn't have a guy like that. Um, even if Mayo and Urban combined for like 12, that's almost 18 already there. And then Elton Robinson, Rasheem Green, maybe matches his total last year. And if Collier gets one sack, I think that about takes you there. And if Daryl Taylor ever plays or Devontae Moore can fill in, I think they can get over what they did last year because they don't have Brandon Jackson and they don't have Ziggy Ansah. These guys can actually play in the NFL. They're just not frontline starters. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, so, so Nathan, um, where do you see those those sacks coming from other than those those players? Yeah, I mean, I did kind of the same, the same math. So, so if you get 15 from Mayo and Irvin, I, I think – uh, Adams and Reed will be close to that number. I, I think they'll be under, but I think they'll be close. So that's another seven. That's 22, you know, and then you look at um, <clears throat> Rasheen Green had four last year. Um, you know, Bobby Wagner, I think usually gets one or two, you know, now you're up to 28 or so. Uh, and so you just need a, a few more sacks from guys like Alton Robinson or a defensive tackle or, you know, whoever. So, I think that it's they're not going to clear 32 by a whole bunch, but I think if you just kind of start to sit there and add it up and go through all the names, um, I think you can get above 32. It's hard to see them. It's, I think it's hard to say that Mayo and Irvin will have more than 50 or 15 or more and then and not think that they're going to get more yeah. than 32. Yeah, yeah. So, so Evan, 
It's very interesting. Uh, you and Dana, as we said last show, agree on everything. You are the only two people on the show, uh, uh, like on the, the team, to predict them being under their 20, under their 32 um, yeah. for this year. You know, some are similar to where they were last year. So that's, that's troubling. Where do you get to that? I don't see Mayo and Urban clearing uh, double digit sacks combined. I could see them being like eight or nine combined, but I, I don't think they reach 10 or higher. Um, I think you guys are completely underestimating the attention they're going to get as theoretical, you know, top pass rushers and on this defensive line, uh, Jaron Reed, I think he'll have like four. So I went under on Jaron Reed. Um, I don't think they'll miss 32 by a ton, but they'll probably be like mid to high twenties. Um, I just, I, I, I just think plain and simple. I think this defensive line, this pass rush, this interior pass rush, it's going to be worse than last year. Interesting. So last two things on the pass rush, then we'll move on. Um, we did add it late in the day. Uh, Alton Robinson sacks. Uh, I predicted three and a half. Um, uh, Evan predicted one and a half. Jeff predicted four and a half, which again would have tied for the team lead last year. Uh, Nathan predicted three, Dana four, Derek three and a half. Josh predicted one. So generally speaking, we're talking about about three sacks is three, three and a half sacks is what the predictions are other than, you know, negative Nancy, uh, Evan, and always negative Josh Cashman. Um, and then, uh, LJ Collier total pressures. This one's going to be fun. He had one pressure last year, which was, I think a surprise to some of the folks here that he even had one. Um, I predicted that he would have 10 pressures this year. And I had to really think about this. Part of the news that's driving this is he was listed as number one on the depth chart for the five technique defensive end position. Well, Brian, I'm over regime green. Brian, I'm bullish on LJ Collier this year. I think he's going to double his (laughs) pressures from last year. 200% increase. He's going to come out of this year with two pressures, two quarterback pressures. That's what you know I'm predicting. How percentage increases work. Oh God. Uh, he's going to double it. So he had one last year. hundred percent. hundred percent. There you go. I'll, I'll help you out with that one. So, so <laughs> not the math guy on this show, apparently <laughs> You're the cap guy though. You are the cap guy. Yeah, that's like adding one plus one, though. That's That's not hard stuff. (laughs) Um, So you've got him doubled to two. I do want to finish. So so they have him above Rasheem Green at the five-tech position. And the reason I had him at 10 is I don't think he's very good. I I wish I felt differently. I I don't have a high hopes. Um, But I think he can do 10. Brandon Jackson last year had 10 pressures. Um, in like 400 snaps. And I think that, I think Collier can at least match that. Um, Cause I just really don't think highly of Brandon Jackson either. So that's where I came up with my number. Another one that you should know about red Bryant, who used to play the five tech and was just a run stuffer and not a great pass rusher. He had 21 pressures back in 2013. 
So knowing that, uh, Nathan, um, what did you predict for total pressures for LJ Collier this year? Uh, I went six. I, you know, uh, <laughs> I think he's going to play more. That works out to like one every three games or, or yeah, you know, a, a sack and a, or a pressure in a third of the games that that seems reasonable because I don't think he's going to play every game. Uh, I think the the thing that's doing with the depth chart today is is just it's BS. I, I think they're just throwing a first round pick a bone and giving him some love. I, I don't think that depth chart means anything. You can look at some of the other stuff on there that's pretty questionable too. So I, I don't I, that didn't really shake my my thoughts on Collier. I mean. Who knows? You know, we didn't get to see any of these guys in preseason. Maybe he's taking big steps forward. Um, but I just your Brandon Jackson thing is convincing though. If Brandon Jackson can get ten, maybe call your can, but there's just more mouths to feed on the defensive line now. There's you know, eventually Daryl Taylor Taylor's gonna hopefully come back and stuff. And so how many how much run can he really get? Yeah. Yeah. So so Jeff, you had him at five. Evan, as you said, had him at two. Dana has him at eight. Derek has him at nine. Josh at six. So, so I mean, this is this isn't sacks, folks. This is total pressures. This isn't even QB hits. This is like you get a pressure if you kind of get somewhere near the quarterback. <laughs> like, it's not that hard to record a pressure. And all like the the most bullish prediction we've got is me at ten. So that is damning for a first round pick, like. Like that is a hundred percent bus territory. If he doesn't, I would say if he doesn't double minimum double the best prediction here, he's a bust done. I, I will. If he doesn't get above 10 pressures, is he on the team next year? I was going to ask that question. <laughs> Have you seen this defensive line? Well, he's the. I mean, he's probably he's, our best player next year. I mean, they did bring back Brandon Jackson. They were going to give him a He's the starter on the depth chart. <laughs> I no, mean, he's not going to start. Steve Green's going to start. I like Jeff. You're so negative, and then you're like somehow like positive about the decision that they're going to make here. Like they're going to make the right decision <laughs> here, but they made no, so I just, many wrong ones. <laughs> no, I just I know these depth charts. Uh, they are I always mentioned more. before. When I used to cover the Bills the PR guys used to make the depth chart. They do. And, yeah. And I know Joe fan did not like when I said that today, he disagreed with me. It was my, I think my first disagreement with him, but the Redskins released the depth chart today and JD McKissick was their number one running back. So that says a lot. I think Evan Silva who covers the whole league really well at Roto world said one of the biggest mistakes he made when he started doing a lot of fantasy was believing these week one pre-depth charts and buying into them. And he's been proven wrong almost every single time. So don't buy anything. These are written to, you know, like what's handsome on a bone or to throw off the other team. There's totally, there's no merit to these depth charts. All right. Well, we've covered the, the pass rush. Um, there is another very controversial prediction we've got to talk about here. And it's related to the defense. And I would say, we should have actually had a prediction about fourth downs because that got a lot of talk. I didn't, I didn't think about that, but I, but what else got a lot of conversation was how much base defense did the Seahawks play last year? It was like 70%, something around those, that, that number in previous years, they've been roughly 70% nickel. Um, and this was a departure from last year, you know, last year. 
lot, a lot, a lot of debate about this one. Um, so I asked the group, what percentage will the Seahawks play base defense this year? And Evan, we're going to start with you on this one. What do you think it's going to be and why? Yeah, I think it's going to, I don't think it's going to be as crazy as they were last year. I think you said they were 70% base last year. I think it's going to slingshot back the other way to, to something a little bit more balanced, 50% base defense. Um, reason being, I think Pete Carroll is really excited about the linebackers he has. Jordan Brooks, Cody Barton are great depth pieces behind who they have in KJ Wright, Bruce Irvin, and, and Bobby Wagner. Um this linebacker group, as I said, on, I think on our, one of our other shows is I, I feel like our best position group and Pete Carroll loves himself some linebackers. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if they uh, were middle of the pack, like 50%. That feel, reads to me as like a defense that doesn't understand itself, like no identity. Like I kind of feel like you either got to be a base defense and committed to it team or you've got to be a nickel team it's hard for me to see the in-between but who the heck knows with the way things are are working here i do want to give a shout, shout out to fred garvin who continually is uh is donating super chat really really appreciate the support for the show um and apologies we're not we're not gonna have time tonight to to respond to specific things on the show just because we got a lot of, to cover but really appreciate it um I don't know, uh, Jeff, I, you and I are pretty similar. I've got them at 35%. You got them at 37. You know, I kind of see them, re they return to form. They've got Marquise Blair, who they believe in at nickel. They don't have Jamal Taylor or whoever it was there. And so I think they're going to play more nickel again. Is that kind of how you're thinking about it? Yeah, and if you kind of look at their personnel in the base defense, like up front, they just don't have a lot of big bodies to kind of play that base defense that they typically like. They don't have defensive tackle depth. They don't have the big five technique that Pete loves. And Brandon Jackson was a guy he could trust in that role. And I think their personnel is more set up for nickel. It's more to get faster guys on the field. And I think they're going to overcompensate the other way, whether that's better or worse. I think a lot of the people who study their personnel right now have been saying everything they're doing looks like more of a nickel defense. And last year, a lot of people overreacted to the base thing and thought that they were just out of touch, but really from my understanding, the whole thing was based on them having zero confidence in their nickel cornerback. And that's a huge personnel gap on their part. And something we hammered John Schneider for last year and rightfully so they never replaced Justin Coleman. And they thought having Michael Kendricks on the field was their best way of competing because they didn't have a nickel corner. And so I think they're going to try to go the other way based on their confidence in Blair. I'll probably be wrong on this, but I think they're going to overcompensate the other way to try to prove a point. You got good company. I'm with you. So, you. so um, Nathan, I got to ask you, cause you're the high water mark on this. You've got them sticking at base defense 60% of the time. So just basically like a little bit of a shift back. Um, is that just tell us why? Um, well, you know, one of the things that got lost a little bit with all the talk about the base defense last year is that it was pretty effective. Um, <clears throat> it wasn't great by any stretch, but they also didn't have great talent. So the fact that they were able to run base and run it against 11 personnel and still have, uh, you know, a, a, I think they were right around average or a little above average against 11 personnel and base compared to other teams in, in nickel. <clears throat> so, you know, I think to some degree it worked and, now you add Jordan Brooks into that mix. You still have Court Cody Barton. You still have Bobby, you know, obviously Bobby Wagner is going to be a, an anchor there. And I thought KJ played really well last year. I know that's 
a bit of a controversial take, but I think he played well last year. If he can keep that going this year, you've got a lot of good linebackers. And so um, if I, I guess one of the other things is I'm just still a little skeptical how much Blair can play nickel, how much he's going to be lining up there every down. Um, not that he's any better of a matchup or any worse of a matchup against slot guys than Jordan Brooks will be or anything like that. But I just think that they found something that worked a little bit. They still play Shan- uh, Shanahan and, you know, McVay and those offenses where they, you know, part of the shift to base was talent, but part of the shift to base was to counteract those teams that they play a lot of. And so I think that they're still going to be at a really high number. So you were not sold on Marquise Blair at nickel corner. Is that right? No, I, well, I have no idea. I haven't seen him play a single snap there. Everything's been positive. And so I think that that's part of why I'm having them shift back towards a more of a balance. But I mean, we'll see just how much he can really carve out. You know, I mean, he's competing against another really talented guy in Jordan Brooks. So, and Evan will like this, but I think a big difficulty for their base defense and Nathan mentioned the success is they never replaced Al Woods. And Al Woods was a really important part of their base defense. And I think it was very legitimate not to sign out Woods, but to replace him with Brian Monet or Money or Burn the Money, whatever his name is. Um, I think that's a huge hole of their base defense right now. They don't have that guy, that giant space eater in the middle of the defensive line. It's going to be hard to stop the run in that base defense. And you can use Jordan Brooks as more of a nickel linebacker to keep KJ kind of relaxed and off the field. Yeah, I, I think – because in base, they're going to play Bruce Irvin at Sam, not the other, the Barton or the... So I think their best formation is to have Irvin more at the end spot. Can't believe we have Puna Slander on the uh, podcast tonight. That's crazy. Kind of had a down year last year, did he not? No, but uh, Puna was Puna's whole game is explosion. He's an undersized guy. And if you take away... He, he had an ankle injury. You take away yeah. that. He's, just, he's an undersized guy with no explosion. He had no chance. Like, he, and he, he got better as the year went on, too. Yeah, once he got yeah. he, he went undrafted because of this size, right? It, it's 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 going to be definitely a big big year for Puna and, and something we have to see. Hopefully, he has to step forward. We're going to need someone in the interior to step forward. So, um, all right, we got to move it along because we got to go through the predictions. That by its, the the schedule predictions alone usually takes a half an hour at least. So, um, a couple things here we're going to get into. Um, we just talked about Marquise Blair and knowing uh, how much we've talked about him. I do want to call out that for Marquise Blair interceptions, Evan, I got to give you the floor. Explain yourself for how much you're predicting Marquise Blair. Yeah. He's going to have six interceptions this year. I think Marquise Blair is going to be the biggest surprise of this defense this year. Um, He's this is the reality. He's an unproven untested player. Um, other teams know that they are going to test him. I think he's going to get a lot of, a lot of balls thrown his way in coverage. And I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for turnover. Marquise Blair in training camp has had several big highlights with, you know, several scrimmages where he's had multiple, multiple turnovers. Um, I think he's a playmaker. Uh, you know, it, it might be, you know, he might come up like four or five interceptions and a couple forced fumbles, but I think either way he's going to, he's going to be the much needed sort of turnover machine that I feel like this defense has been lacking for several years now. Um, so I just want to uh, say again that Evan is, this is a classic example of Evan being on all sides of an issue. Uh, so asked earlier, 
few episodes ago, will Marquise Blair be a 80 or above level player in pro football focus, which is pro bowl 90 is elite. You said, no, he'll be below. He'll be like below 78 even. So, but now you're predicting him to have what would have been tied for the NFL lead in interceptions last season. But interceptions doesn't tell the full story. Like he's going to make, he's going to, He's going to have some really – I could foresee him having some really tough moments this year with also some really bright moments. Like, like I think there's going to be some coverage issues, but I think overall it's going to be mostly positive. I don't, I don't think that's super con- – I don't think that's contradictory, actually. I really don't. Like, I, I think he's going to have some high highs and, and some low lows. I really All right. I like you standing behind your, your point of view. That's what we're trying to work toward here. Um, nobody else on the show um, or off the show had him for more than two. Everyone was based around two or one. Um, Josh is super negative and says zero. Someone broke him. You now need to turn your, your Marquise Blair anger towards Josh, Evan. Um, all right. This, <laughs> I'm going to go quickly on this one, but Michael Dixon, we joke about it a little bit. That guy took a major step back last year. He, he was, he was a literally a game changer, probably one of their best quote defensive players two years ago as a rookie. Like he changed games. Um, averaged 48 yards a punt last year. He was not the same player. He ended up averaging 45 yards a punt. And um, I mean, this <laughs> shows you how what their roster was like two years ago. That was the guy we talked about almost all preseason was Michael Dixon. So um, quickly, I'll just say that all of us are predicting other than Josh are predicting that he will improve this year um, and get closer to his rookie year. Uh, Evan has him all the way at 50 yards a kick. So he's expecting him to be better than he was as a rookie. And Josh is predicting him to kick 41 yards. So the guy that has probably been most excited about Michael Dixon, I think was really hurt by his performance last year. And Josh is just, he's bringing the negative. So that's as much as we're going to say about Michael Dixon, unless someone has a really strong take they want to offer. Um, other things before we get, we're going to do this rapid fire, then we're going to get into points. Uh, points per game scored and points per game allowed um, before we turn it into the schedule conversation. So we also predicted the number of Pro Bowl Seahawks on offense and the number of Pro Bowl Seahawks on defense. Pretty much the same across the board for folks. I had it. It's two on offense, two on defense. Evan had three on offense, three on defense. Jeff had one on offense, three on defense. Nathan had three on offense, two on defense. Um, Everyone else is either three or two. So so I think um, Jeff needs to to answer for his here because he's yeah. got DK Metcalf at 1175 yards and 11 touchdowns, but only one pro bowler on the offense. So you don't think DK makes pro bowl at that number? He probably should, but I don't know if he will. There's so many good receivers in the NFC. Yeah. That's one thing. Receivers are stacked. The receivers are stacked. Like I, I just mentioned before, I just did my draft. So I'll look DeAndre in Hopkins the NFC. You have and... Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay, Allen Robinson, DJ Moore, Adam Thielen, Calvin Ridley, Terry McLaurin, Seattle guys. Murray Cooper. Murray Cooper, Cooper Cup. So, again, it's not against DK Metcalf. I just think it's going to get very hard to get in there. Yeah, interesting. Um, it is worth calling out with, with Evans saying six total pro bowlers. I've generally found – six to eight pro bowlers you're talking about a number one seed kind of team um you know it, it is a popularity contest but but uh teams that win a lot tend to get a few more um so interesting there the rest of us are around four 
if you had said all pro, my answer would have been very different. Oh, of course. Of but course. like yeah. you're probably worse than but probably worse than yours is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's let's last prediction we'll get into here before we move into schedule um, is points per game, uh, offense and defense. And uh, uh, so last year, I should actually have this up in front of me. Does anyone have the Seahawks? Uh, I think it was like 24 and 24, right? It's pretty much uh, Seahawks. Uh, let me look, pull it up real quick. Um, so the Seahawks averaged 25.3 points per game on offense last year and averaged 24.9 allowed to their opponents. So, you know, a very small point differential as we spent a lot of time discussing last year. Um, I had them moving up to scoring 27 and a half points per game on offense and um, improving on defense to 21.5. So a bigger improvement on defense than on offense. Um, and what accounts for a six point differential um, between uh, what they score and what they allow. Uh in my experience, it's totally just anecdotal. Um, about seven points per game differential is when you're starting to talk about a team that can contend. Um, and so I think I have them just below that. Um, and that felt right to me. Uh, I think the offense could outperform what I've got. I, I feel like there's more upside there. It's, it's challenging for me to see on the defense for them to go that much lower than what I've got them. I wish I could say it, but it's hard for me to see it. So um evan talk to us about your prediction um uh what you've got going on yeah so i had them at uh seahawks points scored per game i had them at 28.6 i think they're going to be a top three scoring offense in the nfl i think the ravens last year were like 30.4 i want to say or something like that 33.2 30 33.2 30, 30, oh oh wow okay um the saints were 28.6 last year okay yeah so i and the saints were what number Three. Okay. Yeah. So I think top three scoring offense makes sense. We all know it. This offense is loaded from a talent or a weapon perspective. Uh, how far they go will be dependent on how far or how, how well they can protect Russell Wilson. I think I'm, I think I'm cautiously optimistic about the offensive line, but shifting over to the defense, I put them at 23.2 points allowed per game. So a couple points higher than Brian. I was the same as basically the same as Jeff. Um, listen, I, I, I'm not as excited. Well, I, you guys aren't excited about the pass rush. I'm not as optimistic or maybe not as cautiously optimistic about the pass rush as you guys are. I think it's going to be cautiously optimistic. I think Brian, Brian, you think they're like slightly better, right? Than last That's year. Not saying much. Yeah. I don't know how to accurately describe you're, that. You're are, you are both. You're both correct. I, <laughs> I'm more optimistic about the pass rush than you are. It is not saying a lot to say that they're going to be better yes. than last year, which is what I'm yes. saying. What I'm saying is that no matter how good their secondary is, no matter how good their linebacker group is, the pass rush is going to be a problem all year long. And for that reason, I just can't have them making that big of a jump defensively. So, yeah, it's interesting. Jeff and Nathan, like everybody's got them improving on offense and on defense. Um, I expected some of the negative, you know, uh, stuff to, to seep in here. No one predicted them to get worse on either one. Um, let me ask, we didn't ask this for the prediction, but 
which do you guys think is more likely to be worse? Their scoring average from the previous or yeah, or the like compared to last year. What's what's more likely to go the wrong direction? Their scoring average on offense or the scoring average on defense? I think it's the offense. I mean, the offense was good last year, and so it's kind of easy easy to look at that one and say that one's got you know, it's it's easier for it to get worse and it could still be good, right? Um, But I think it could be the defense. I mean, there's serious questions on the defensive line. And, you know, what if Diggs isn't healthy? And that's not a huge what if, right? He has not been healthy for years. That's why he's here and not in Detroit. Uh, and so if, if he's not healthy and, and you know, who knows what's going to happen with Dunbar at this point. So there are some there are some holes there that could get exploited on the defense and where you could see them kind of fall apart. Yeah, it, it could go either way, right? Because I could say the same thing about the offensive line. You've got three new starters, on an offensive line that hasn't even had a single snap together um, in a game. And right. like, we're all just assuming it's going to be good enough. Like it's been so bad before, how much worse could it get? Don't know. So that, and, that's what you know, the offense is always one Russell Wilson injury away from falling off a cliff. Right. So oh, yeah. But no first round pick. Yeah. So, so interesting. I mean, Jeff, you've got you and Nathan are essentially identical in predicting on offense. You both have about 26, 27 points. Um, Nathan, you've you've pretty bullish on defense. I mean, other than myself and Derek, who's got him at 21, you've got him at 21.5. So you're among the, the most bullish on 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 defensive predictions. Um Jeff, you've got them as the the lowest point differential among the group. You only have a 3.7 point, point differential. Um, so, you know, I guess, Nathan, I'd love to hear from you about the defense for a second, if you wouldn't mind. Um, you know, what's got you more optimistic? That's a three-point swing, I think, roughly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think coverage is really, really important, right? I mean, I think coverage is more important than pass rush, and so – I'm less concerned about how questionable, you know, that the pass rush looks at this point um, because they got really, they might've gotten really, really, really good in the secondary. They might have the, I don't think anyone here thinks it's crazy to, to think they might have the best secondary in the NFL. And, you know, I, I think if you've got that and you, and you've got enough on the line, they've got a, they've got a lot of bodies. I mean, say what you want about their top end talent in terms of pass rushing, they got a lot of bodies. Um, and so I think that that can come together to be a pretty decent defense. It's, it's going to have its issues. It's not, and this is where the Clowney thing really bummed me out is because I think that you add Clowney in and suddenly it starts to look really complete and really potentially dominant. Um, but I think that the, the additions that they've made take them solidly into at least a, a decent defense. And, I, you know, 21 and a half puts, puts, would have put them about 13, 13th in scoring defense last year. I just want to say one thing about a comment you made. If the best thing you could say about the defensive line is that they've got a lot of bodies there, it's not going to be good. I don't think that's true, actually. I mean, I'm not saying they don't have a lot of Brandon Jackson bodies, right? We're not talking about Brandon Jackson's and LJ Collier's and, you know, just that. Like, we're talking about two veteran, proven, capable pass rushers, a couple interesting rookies, an up-and-coming guy like, you know, Rasheem Green, and then, yeah, hell, you do have an LJ Collier who was a first-round pick a year ago, and and who knows what you're actually going to get out of that. So, you've got you. It's not a black you've got hole. Got a Marquise Blair who could be a great blitzer. That's one. And of you've got a Jamal Adams who Jamal is proved. 
Yeah. So, you know, if Pete actually gets, I'm skeptical. The reason I went under on Adam Sachs is because I just don't know how often they're going to ask him to rush the, the pather. But they've done that in the past, going back early with Pete and his amoeba defense and some of the stuff they were doing. So it's not crazy. So I, I don't think this pass rush is going to be good by any stretch, but I don't think it's a black hole either. All right, guys, I'm going to move us. I'm going to move us to the official schedule prediction portion. This is this is uh, all good color leading up to these predictions. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I specifically asked the guys to not fill in their predictions before the show. We're going to do it live. That gives them the chance to change whatever they were going to put in there. So here we go with week one of the Seahawks season. And we're going to go um, one by one uh, predicting wins and losses. Um, week one at Atlanta, 10 a.m. game. Uh, I am predicting a win. Nathan, what are you predicting? Win. Win. Evan. Win. Win. Jeff. Loss. Loss. All right. <laughs> the one, the one loss out of everybody. They, we're gonna go I saw through, we're gonna do this. We're gonna go through yeah. four games at a time and a quarter okay. blocks. We can do it go through all our predictions, and then we're gonna talk about some of the, the patterns that come in. Does that work for everybody? Much yeah, faster. Awesome. Week two, uh, home against the Patriots. Um, I've got that. Uh, that's a 520 game, uh, evening game. I've got that as a win. Nathan. Loss. Loss. Win. Win. Jeff. Win. Win. Okay. Uh, week three, home against Dallas, 125 game. I've got that as a loss. Nathan. Loss. Loss. Evan. Win. Win. He just yeah. predicted Dak to be. All right. Sorry, we're not supposed yeah. to do that. Yet. I'll go win. Well. <laughs> Hold your comments. Ah. Jeff, please repeat yourself. I'll go win there. Win. All right. Fourth game at Miami. Who will have fans in the stands? Um, 10 a.m. Sunday game. Uh, I am going with win. Nathan. Um, loss. Loss. Evan. Loss. Loss. Jeff. I'll go win. Win. Okay, so we are through four weeks in the season. I have the Seahawks at three and one. Nathan has them at <laughs> one and three. Evan has them as three and one. Jeff has them at three and one. We do need to start with you, Nathan. How are you feeling about your one and three start prediction? Not good. Uh, not great. Um, <laughs> uh, it is just, okay to change. It's okay to change a, a call if you'd like to. I mean, it's the, the first three games are, are tough. New England and Dallas are tough. Um, the whole COVID situation makes home field. I don't know how much that matters. Um and then with Miami, I think this could be a classic, you know, it could be like that Bengals game uh, that they started out the year with last year, except it's going to be on the road. Um, and I, I don't know. There's just something about that game, just something about how Pete likes to play and how that, I, I don't know. Uh, I can see that being a trap. You know, I have to say, I I really, like I had the New England game as a loss and then I've changed, I flipped on it. I've got it as a win. I'm sitting there thinking about going back to a loss. I'm going to keep it as a win for now. I think they could easily lose that New England, the first two home games, New England and Dallas. They could easily lose those two games. Um, 
Jeff, you've got them losing at Atlanta. I think that's interesting. They have typically not been great starters, especially week one. I mean, even the 2013 team, they barely beat, you know, the, the Panthers on the road. Yeah. Um, what's your thinking there? Yeah, I think I read today that Pete is one and five on the road in week one in Seattle. Uh, I worry this is going to be one of those games where all the defensive lines stuff comes right to the head. Matt Ryan like, gets the ball up fast. A new secondary is playing against Julio and Calvin Ridley. And it's the first game for this offensive line that's really never played together. So I think it's going to be one of those close games that they end up like losing a game they should have won because they're playing it too slow. And maybe like Brandon Shell can't protect Dalvin or Fowler, Devin Fowler, whatever his name is, Dante Fowler. And I just think that defensive line shows up against a guy who gets the ball out so fast. And I think everyone goes into full DEFCON mode after that game. Yeah. If, if it was, if there was a crowd, like if there was full, like normal season, like a full crowd, I would be predicting a loss in that game. Yeah. It makes a difference though. It really does. Um, all right. Uh, Nathan, you wanted to take Evan to task about the Dallas thing. Do you want, you want to, you want to do that or should we move? No, on? I haven't gone one and three. I'm going to leave my alone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, let's do the next four. Uh, week five is uh, home against the Minnesota Vikings for a 520 Sunday night football game. I've got that at a loss. Uh, Nathan. Win. Win. Evan. Win. Win. Jeff. I'm a little more nervous about this game than I was before with that trade, but I'm going to go. Russell always beats Kirk Cousins. Win. Ah, that's a good point. Um uh, at Arizona Sunday, uh, this is after a bye week, by the way. So week six is their bye week. Um, this is uh, Sunday at Arizona, one o'clock. I've got that as a win. Nathan, win, win. Evan, loss. <laughs> Dumbass. <Yeah. laughs> I'm lost you asshole. <laughs> you have to wait for four games before you can call him a dumbass. You oh, asshole. I, <laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew it. I knew it was coming too, Kyler Murray fan. I know you got a jersey on underneath that. <laughs> uh, home against San Francisco in week eight, 125 game. I have got that as a loss. Nathan. Loss. Loss. Evan. Win. Win. Jeff. I'll go win. Win. Uh, week nine at Buffalo, 10 a.m. game. Ah, man. Where am I going with this season? I've got that. Oh. That Bill's defense is actually I've no joke. Got that as a win. I'm Oof. going with a loss. No, I'm going with a loss. It's a, no, I'm going with a win. Stick with a win. All right, Nathan. <laughs> Nathan. Loss. Loss. Evan. Win. Win. Jeff. Loss. That's a tough one, right? Um, yeah. Seahawks are a better team, but yeah, 10 a.m. Sunday in whatever weather that's going to be. Uh, okay, that's another four. Yes, did I do that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so now um, I have got them at six and three. Nathan, you have them at three and five. Woof. Right. Yeah. All right? those numbers don't add up. That's nine and eight. No, th- Brian had six and three. Nathan has to have nine then. Four. No, yeah, I don't. I, I don't have six and three. I have five and three. Five and three. I, I, yeah, I, that makes I, sense. W's and L's. I'm at five and three. Nathan has them at three and five. Evan, you got them 
at six and two. Is that right? And then Jeff, you've got them at five and three. Yes? Yeah. Yeah, that's about right. Okay, so I'm the only one that has them losing uh, against Minnesota. I got to say um, that Yannick, tra- like, I think Minnesota could be the NFC team that just sneaks up on everybody. I really like that defense. Daniel Hunter, I know he's been hurt in training camp, but that could just be a dominant, dominant defense. Um, so I, they lost Stefan Diggs. I don't know. So I kind of go back. Everson Griffin is gone. Yeah, but he's not even worth $6 million from what I understand. So um, how good could he really be? Uh, any other call-outs on those? I mean, we all kind of – Buffalo, we got two two and two. Um, San Francisco, we got two. Let's talk about San Francisco for a second. San Francisco and Arizona are both division games. They always win in Arizona, dude. They win every year down there. And what makes you think that they're not going to win this year with a better team? This is the year of the Cardinals. This is the year of the Cardinals (laughs) It is going to be a two-way race for the NFC West title between the Seahawks and Cardinals. The Niners are not going to be as competitive as people think. Super Bowl hangover is going to hit them really hard. I promise you. That clip is going to be really painful. I promise you. I I guarantee it. I I, guarantee it. Okay. Um, Jeff, you also have that as a loss, and you're much more logical and much less bleached brain from the Arizona Sun. So, how is that? How are you coming to that conclusion? Um, well, I, I just figure they're going to split those two games, and I just think this whole season is going to be wonky. And like you said, the Seahawks always win in Arizona, so I think they're going to lose this time. And we saw what happened when Arizona played them. That, that was a very broken team at the end of the year last year, but they exploited some very obvious matchups on their team. And I just, I think they're going to split with Arizona. I think they're going to split with San Francisco later in the year. So I could have easily gone the other way. Here's the thing I'll say about the Arizona matchup that I feel good about um, besides the fact that CX always win against Arizona is I think no other team played more four wide receiver sets than the the Cardinals last year. I was looking this up when I was looking at personnel packages, sub packages and, and the Seahawks. And I think if you're going to be a heavy passing team, I think the Seahawks have a a really good defense um, to combat that. So, um, you know, pass rush is one part of it, but I just think coverage wise, I think the Seahawks are in great shape. Um, And I think Kyler Murray Murray makes mistakes. Um, At least he has so far. Uh, Yeah. Let's keep going and we'll come back to this. We'll come back to some of the San Francisco implications. Um, So now we're into week 10. Um, and this is at the LA Rams 125 game. Um, I have that as a loss. Um, Nathan. Uh, I, I, um, win. Win. Wow. Evan. That's a loss. Loss. Jeff. Win. Win. All right. Arizona, Thursday night, 5.20 p.m. So short night, uh, home game. Jeff, we're going to go to you, though, first one. Win. Win. Evan. Say it. it. Do it, Evan. It's a loss. Oh my God! Oh, this is an easy schedule. It's a loss. We officially have a, it's three, a loss. 
We officially have a three-person Seahawks pod with a permanent Arizona Cardinals. I'm just telling you the truth. They're going to be so good this year, and it's going to suck. All right, Nathan, please help us win. Okay, and I've got this as a win. Um, At Philadelphia, interesting. Played him at Philadelphia week 12 last year, doing it again this year, a Monday night game, 5.15 p.m. Um, I'm going to say that is a win. Uh, Nathan. Win. Win. Evan. Win. Win. Jeff. Win. Win. Oh, I don't know if you've agreed on everything so far. No. Carson Wentz uh, with the end, Jordan. They'll lose. Okay. Uh, week 13, home against the Giants to start a two-game homestand against the New York teams. I don't know if that's ever happened before, um, at least for the Seahawks. So, uh, home against the Giants, 1 o'clock game on Sunday. I have got that as a win. Nathan? Win. Win. Evan? Win. Win. Jeff? Win. Win. Okay. So three quarters of the way through the season, Jeff, you've got four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine and three. Pretty bullish, dude. Uh, Evan, you've got one, two, eight and four, four, five, six, seven, eight and four. Nathan, seven and five. You've got them on a four game winning streak, dude. Uh, L.A., Arizona, Philadelphia, New York. Okay. Um, and I've got three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and four. Okay. So Jeff, you're the high water mark. You also have a four game winning streak, nine and three. Nathan, you're seven and five. Is that what we, we, we have? Yep. Yes. And yep. Evan and I are both eight and four. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Anything we want to call out there? We want to finish this out and we'll talk about the rest. Keep going. Keep rolling. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Jeff, coming to you first. Um, home against the New York Jets, one o'clock on Sunday. Win. Win. Evan. Win. Win. Nathan. Win. Win. I've got that as a win. So Jeff and Nathan have five game winning streaks. I'm at a four game winning streak. Uh, Evan's at three. Uh, at Washington, 10 a.m. game Sunday. I got that as a win. Nathan. Win. Ooh. That win streak is at six games. Evan. Win. Win. Jeff. Win. Win. Woo. Home against the LA Rams, Sunday 105. Jeff. Loss. Loss. Oh, crushing end to the win streak. Uh, if I can just type properly. Uh, Evan. Win. 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 Nathan. I think it's a win. Okay. I got a win. I feel good about it. <laughs> I could tell. Uh, at San Francisco, final week of the season, once again playing the Niners, this time in San Francisco. And it doesn't look like John or Sue will be catching the ball at the one inch line. <laughs> um, I have that as a win. Nathan. Win. Win. Evan. Win. Win. Jeff. That's correct. Fuck it. Win. <laughs> <laughs> okay my head says lost but fuck fuck san francisco yeah i agree with that sentiment so i have them at a so have them ending on a seven game winning streak nathan has them ending the season on an eight game winning streak the most stable realistic guy we know uh you know he's he's bullish on the last half of the season well, um, you can only win games in the fourth quarter 
That's oh my god. We're gonna we're gonna win games in the second half now, Jeff. Pete Carroll oh, season. We're expanding it to the third quarter too. Nathan's I mean, got the whole Pete Carroll thing figured out. Yeah. Evan's got them on a six game winning streak. So um and, and even Jeff, who's got one loss predicted in there, has them winning going seven and one in the second half of the season. I have them at seven and one. Evan is the least optimistic, and he's got them at six and two. I will say that um if I'm looking at this right, pretty much. So Dana's got them at seven and one in the the last half. De- uh, Josh has got them at six and two, and Derek's got them at seven and one. So there's a lot of optimism over the back half of this schedule, and generally, I think we feel pretty good. like New York Giants, New York Jets. Uh, I think we feel pretty good about that. I think at Philadelphia, I mean at Washington at home against the giants and the jets and at Washington, that's gotta be as confident as you could feel about three games, even on the upside of what those teams can do. The Seahawks should be in good shape there. And when was the last time they lost to Philly? That's, that's the thing. They, they, they beat Philly play wherever them. they play them. Um, and they have, so total up your records for me, guys. Do you have your, your sheets open? Um, do me that favor. <laughs> and 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 call them out when you got them. So I got uh 12 and 4. I also have 12 and 4. Wow. Okay, so we have 1 2 3 Holy cow. Oh, we're almost consensus. 6 of 7 of us have them at 12 and 4 and then Nathan at 11 and 5. Yeah, I'm probably closer to 11 and 5, but I gave that San Francisco win for fun. So I, I had two bi- I had a couple of big conflicting things for me. So one, uh, something that's interesting is if you go look at um, what we predicted for their uh, offensive points per game and uh, defensive points allowed per game, um, none of us, ha- you know, uh, according to their like their projected wins, their point differential, their Pythag win expectation, none of us have them above like a nine and a half. <laughs> uh, win team so <laughs> what we think they'll win and what we think they'll score and allow there's a pretty big gap there so I was trying to be mindful of that and I mean I still ended up with 11 so I was way over um, but then I, I also think that Russell is going to win an MVP and um, so I, I don't know if I uh, and I had also uh, not looked at the schedule even once before just now so uh, I I don't know. I feel a little weird now about the the in early season going one and three. I feel like they have to have a big win uh, streak to for us to actually get um, that MVP. But those Rams games make me nervous because that that has been a weak spot for Pete. Even last year when those Rams teams weren't very good, they had to fight their asses just to get the one. So. They weren't even competitive in one of them. Um, no. Yeah, I have to say, like, I wrote my season preview article and I went through this schedule once and I I can't remember which games I had differently, but I see the Seahawks as like a 10 to 11 win team. Like, that's that's what my my assessment of their talent is right now, unless things go well. Um, so, uh, wait a second. Josh yeah, Cashman is saying... I think that's that's not actually... That's not really him. Russell, if you're watching, we love you, but I can't tell if that's actually you. I think it. I think it might be him. It is because it's like uh, it's verified. I it's verified. Even... What did he say? Well, Russell, we're going 16 and 0. I'd like to revise my record. <laughs> and as I said before, you're definitely winning the MVP. 100. Well, here's the thing: for if you look at all the quarterbacks they face this year, 
they don't they play I think one top five quarterback and that's it. So Russell should be the best quarterback in every game they play. They don't play Mahomes, they don't play Watson, they don't play anyone like that. So that's why the schedule does look so favorable. I think they have the best opponent quarterback schedule on in the league. I think I think I saw that analytically. <laughs> I think uh, if we're all gonna say nice things about Russell, I just want to reiterate I was the one that had him getting all of the MVP votes unanimous MVP. So famed Russell supporter, Brian Nemhauser has him winning the MVP unanimously. So, um, Oh, I got to say one thing, Russ, you're still listening. Let Russ cook this year, man. Let, we got to let you cook. We gotta, it's time to, it's time to let you cook nine years in. I think nine years in. Yeah. Time is flying by. We got to let your cook. It's, it's something we've been looking forward to. Let's go win this thing. Let's go win this bitch. Super Bowl or bust. Let's do it. Hey, hey, watch the language. This is a, you know. You don't want to tell him what you said about Arizona a second ago. I know. (laughs) I know. Where is that take? I'm sure he heard all of it. So, so I I, I will go back and say, I I do kind of feel like this is a 10 to 11 win team. Um, And I, I feel a little odd about the 12 and four. Like that feels a little optimistic to me. Um, Just looking at it, anyone else? You feel like you feel good about your 12 and four. You feel icky about it. How you guys feel? Jeff. I, in hindsight, probably go, but kind of negative dude. So I'm kind of like, well, their schedule in the second half is incredible and it really sets up for a run. And just looking at the quarterback matchups as tough as the defenses are against the Rams and the bills and the Niners they don't play a lot of the top quarterbacks this year and they have a much more favorable schedule against the NFC East and the AFC East. So they don't have to play Brady this year. They got kind of lucky on that front. So I would have said 11 and five going into this before looking at the games. That's probably what I should have done, but I went a little exciting at the end. So I'm not that upset about it. All right. Last prediction we're going to do here is we've gotten records, but where does the season end? For this team does it end i'm in- not gonna spell a negative end but i'll tell you this they're gonna reach the nfc championship game this year okay so that's where you have the season ending is nfc championship i'm not saying it's ending there i'm just I'm saying asking you where the season ends that's the question you have to answer that i don't want to answer this first somebody else answer <laughs> Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm too nervous, oh. man. I I think okay. they get bounced in the NFC Championship game. NFC Championship. Is I say they lose in the divisional round with one just one bye in their division. I think it's I think they need the bye so bad and I think their division just hurts them. Yeah, I I don't know. If, I would say an interesting point there though jeff is the buys probably has the least value of any year right home field advantage probably will be least important of any year no that's a that's a good argument by january though maybe cross i mean god maybe (laughs) sorry it's depressing Uh, it's fair yeah so evan uh jeff's got him ending in the division round where do you have him ending NFC championship game. NFC championship. Now, see, I will say the thing that's tough with me about that is that the Seahawks reached the NFC championship. I can't see them losing. 
I, I think Russell in that situation, I think he will find a way just like he did against the Packers. Um, <laughs> just like Jermaine Kirst did against the Packers. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Right. I uh, mean, you know, they got real close to losing both of those games, really. I mean, yeah, I the, the Niners were driving down, too. So but they didn't. But they didn't. But they didn't. But they didn't. Um. I'm so torn on this guys because here's where I'm at. I'm directly straddling between them like going to the Super Bowl which sounds crazy coming out of my mouth and them losing in the division round again. Like the, those <laughs> are those are the two things. I don't have them in the NFC Championship. So I'm going to go I'm going to go divisional round cuz I think that's what I believe. Um, but somewhere deep inside, I'm like, this team could be that team. Like if things just turn the right way um, and, and if Russell is going to be an MVP, um, he could, he could lift him there, but I, I'm going to stick with divisional round. So we've got two folks saying they get the NFC championship game, two people saying their seasons end in the divisional round. If they uh, get to the Super Bowl, what kind of chance would you give them? I, look, I, for all the crap people give Pete about the last Super Bowl play, um, I think you have to argue that the Seahawks were in amazing position to win two straight Super Bowls against two pretty damn good teams and good coaches. And I think especially that game against the Patriots, that was peak Brady and Belichick. Uh, and the Seahawks were not peak Seahawks. They had serious injury issues before the game and during the game, and they still came back and should have won that game. So I think if they get the Super Bowl, I think I think they win it. Um, I, I think that they win it. What about you? I just don't think this team is talented enough to win a Super Bowl. I mean, who knows what you end up – I mean, we're talking about one game, so you know anything can happen, but um, – I mean, if you predict them to get to the NFC Championship game, it's you know not crazy to think that they could they could get to the Super Bowl. But I also think that the AFC teams are probably just going to be a lot better than what they'll have to face in the NFC. I mean, if if San Francisco isn't as dominant as it was last year, I don't see any one team in the NFC just being a real juggernaut. And so they could get to the NFC Championship game, they could get to the Super Bowl, but I don't think this is a team that's gonna that's just good enough to to actually win a ring i would be i would be pretty shocked to, if they managed to do it evan jeff you want to weigh in on that if they made the super bowl how it would go if they make it to the super bowl they're winning it that's my boy that's i like it how about you jeff uh i lean closer to nathan on this i know they beat Mahomes in 2018 when they had a far inferior roster so there's optimism there but I just think like their defensive and offensive line issues to beat a team like Baltimore or Kansas City, who I think we're assuming are the AFC favorites unless they caught a massive break. I think those deficiencies would come together in a game like that. Okay. Last question. We'll wrap for the night. Um, of all the predictions that you've made tonight, which one do you feel best about, most confident in? And which one do you feel most uncomfortable with and this can be a game you picked record where they finish it can be any of the player predictions 
Um, I'm going to give you guys a few seconds to look through. I will tell you the thing I'm least comfortable with is picking a win at Buffalo. I, I really, you heard me struggle with that. That, that one really didn't feel right to me. Um, the thing I feel most confident in, I could pick one of the games, but I'm going to say the, the, um, uh, points per game on offense. I just feel like this offense is going to take a step forward, um, a meaningful step forward. And so I think becoming what will be, if they score 27 and a half points a game, the top scoring offense in Seahawks history, uh, beating the 2005 team. Um, I, I, I think that's going to happen this year. I feel really good about it. All right, Evan, how about you? Most confident, least confident prediction so far. Most confident about DK Metcalf really seizing that wide receiver one role. I think I put him at 1197 yards and nine touchdowns. I feel pretty confident in that. Uh, now, where I actually feel least confident is, although I think the pass rush is going to be really bad this year, there's a small chance that they're better than we expect. So the backpedaling we'll has begun. No, no, no. My on-the-record official take is they're going to be catastrophically bad. But I'm not denying that there's a small chance that they shock everybody. Okay. Nathan? Uh, I think both of mine are uh, schedule predictions. Um, I don't feel great about the one and three cert in general. And the Miami game, I guess, specifically is the one that I'm maybe most doubtful of. I I do think that's going to be an ugly game. But if they're one and two going to that game, maybe they take it a little bit more seriously than maybe they otherwise would against a team like Miami. Um, and then the one that um, – oh, wait. No, those are both uh, least confident. Okay, I want to change. Okay, okay. so I feel bad about that, but I don't know. Uh, having them beat the Rams twice is uh, a big step for them. So that's probably the one that I, I'm maybe least confident in. The one I'm most confident in – crap, I did not think about this the right way. Um <laughs> Come back to me. Come back to me. Let me. Okay. All right. Jeff, most confident, least confident. I had most confident in the fact that we predicted a big second half surge and we all had those win streaks. Um, there's something about Pete's philosophy and I don't know if it's right or wrong, but he believes in peaking at the right time and they always start slow. And even the 2012 team and they, they have the same model. So that combined with how not bad, but how, limited their schedule looks between the two New York teams, Washington and no division games really until the last two. I really do think that sets up for that run in the second half. I think Russell will be far superior to any quarterback he plays over that stretch. So very confident in that. I, pre- I predicted they would go two and zero against San Francisco. I think that's probably be me being a tad unrealistic. I think that's going to be very challenging for this team they might be the best team in the NFC on paper. So I hope I'm wrong. I hope they do decline. There are reasons they will regress. So 2-0 probably is a stretch. Okay. Nathan, do you have your most confident prediction? Um, I think Russ wins MVP this year. Love it. I He has got a ton of talent. He's got I, – I, you know, I – I think that there he seems to be pushing to to be able to pass a little more. He, he's he's obviously awesome, and there just seems to be some momentum around it. Um, I think he's going to be a little bit 
I, I get the mistrust of some of the writers for sure, but I think he's going to be a little bit of a darling. I think he's going to be a guy that, you know, when it comes down to it, if it's close, I think he's going to just kind of get the lifetime achievement award for it. I, th- I think he'll get that that benefit of the doubt. And so I think this is a year that it finally, you know, the, the dam finally bursts on that. You know, it would be kind of amazing is if he got Wilson getting an MVP. If he got 49 votes and the one vote that wasn't him was Andy Ben <laughs> and and he just got torn to shreds. How awesome would that I, be? I will say one thing about Andy Benoit. I th- Benoit, is that his last name? I don't know. He has he exceptional, exceptional. Nathan, why are you shaking your head? Because you're going to say something but about I milk. Know! And milk is gross. It's milk? so gross. Andy and I agree on one thing. 2% milk is the best drink in the world. I used as a teenager, I was literally drinking like a gallon a day. In my mom, my, my in my parents' house, they they had a basement, and in the basement fridge, my parents would always have like nine cartons of milk. This is what people come to the show to hear about, and and now we will we will leave you on that note. <laughs> <laughs> I need to top that. <laughs> I'm being serious though. I'm not even trolling. Two percent milk is elite. Now I I was a non-fat guy growing up. I gotta say because it got so, it gets a lot colder. Um, frosted mug. Uh, I'm with you on milk though, dude. Um, all right. So we are through with the 2020 Hawk blogger, real Hawk talk prediction show. Um, basically everyone's predicting a pretty good season for the Seahawks. Um, almost everybody on the show other than Nathan predicted 12 wins and Nathan predicted 11. So, um, and, and even then, two out of the four of us predicted an NFC championship. So Nathan was one of them. So uh, if that's the case, if that's where we're heading, man, that's going to be a fun season. Uh, I think we all have bigger aspirations than that. We're going to find out uh, a lot more about this team in just a few days, a few days. So um, please uh, subscribe over on patreon.com slash Hawk blogger. Talk with us on uh, the Slack chat be great to have you on there. And um, if you're interested in being a sponsor, there are still sponsorship options over on Patreon. You can get a spot uh, for the podcast recorded by one of us, um, you know, promoting your, your product, your business, or you can just buy a sponsorship to make, you know, uh, Evan say something that you, you think would be funny. Um, or just making fun of him in some way. All those things are possible. You just have to spend a little money that goes to a good cause. Um, also, uh, subscribe on YouTube. Click the little bell to get notified. And uh, know that we have another show coming up this week. We will preview the Seahawks-Falcons game Friday evening. Um, I think uh, Softy and I are planning our weekly um show as well which will likely be on a friday so you have multiple pods to deal with then and, and enjoy and uh start looking at the blog too hawkblogger.com uh, a couple articles posted my season previews up there nathan put an article up there about jadavian Clowney that will you know i think was very well done well written and very frustrating um not not the article but the reality of it um, and tomorrow I will put up, uh, my first tale of the tape, which is a little, a little tough the first week of the season. Cause we don't have much tape to tail from, but, um, we'll preview the, the Falcons and Seahawks game. So take a look at hawkblogger.com until then have a wonderful night. Go Hawks.